0: Thank you for joining us here for side talks. We're a podcast. Um, I had threatened a couple of episodes ago to go a little chill, chill wave with us, um, and so that's what we're doing right now. We're we're chilling out, and um, we talk about movies. and This is the sort of, hey Brad, could you put a little washed out under here? I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm the creative director for Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema.
1: And and my name's Corey Kraft. Uh, I'm just going to ride these vibes. uh, Chill out, right into the next segment. Why
0: not? So now it's time for a segment of the podcast called Phone a Friend, where we do just that. Phone a friend. Hello? Hey, Brawl Dog. It's Rachel and Corey. Hey. Hey. You know, we're All calling. Right. Hi, in to see what you've been watching.
2: Well, um, okay, this one I—I I, this is a new one for me. Um, have you guys seen *Convoy*? Oh, no, I have
0: not. I
1: have not. I have not. I this don't, is well, the um, the Sam Peckinpah movie based on the song.
2: Yes. Oh yeah, yes. I, I haven't. Wow, cool. Yeah, I hadn't either, and um, we were we were watching something else, and it referenced this, and so Tony said, like, maybe we should we look up Convoy, and so we put on the trailer, and it's literally that whole song, the C, C.W. McCall, I think, the um, 70th yeah. Convoy song about truckers and CB radios and everything, and uh, you know, with the with the clips of the movie on it, so then of course we're like, well, we gotta watch the whole movie now, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's like a real bunch of truckers. Um, it's it's just, it's one of these movies where if you want to watch a lot of giant trucks driving super fast, <laughs> you Who doesn't? should probably just watch Maximum Overdrive, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> we watched this anyway. Um, I mean, it's good, but like, I don't know, it's one of these where it can't tell if it wants to be funny or serious, you know what I mean? Ooh, and I, yeah. I read up about it afterwards, and the this, second this Paw character seems, you know, like he was a real mess.
1: Oh, he, um, uh, he was a, uh, a, a bit of a nut.
0: This peck Peckinpah character. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, it seems like he maybe took it in some weird directions, and then he, yeah, there was a lot of arguments with the studio, and they fired him over editing. When he submitted his edit, it was three and a half hours long. <laughs> wow. And they well, fired him, and I'm like, based on what I, the amount of trucking that I saw, I'm like, no, there's no way we could have done three and a half hours. Like, no, 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 that's way too much truck. But, um... Yeah, I mean it just kinda weird stuff like like for example, there's a like some serious like racial tension with these like podunk Arizona cops and, and like it's really stressful. And then it immediately turns into this way too long cartoon like bar fight, you know? And then And then I just read too, I was looking into it. The bar fight took 10 days to shoot (laughs) and they break every single piece of glass in the whole building. And you know what I mean? It's just like crazy stuff where you're like, I thought this was getting really serious and like heavy. And we're talking about police, you know, racism and like real topical things. And I was like, Whoa, this is, this is 2020 times right here. And then it'll be like a ridiculous bar fight. And, and, you know, people bopping themselves over the head with stuff and, like, really farcical things. So it does a lot of that where you're like, wait, what? Is it a goofy movie? And so I, yeah, apparently that was the, the drama all along, is that it was, like, supposed to be lighter, and then he wanted to make it serious, and then he was also really drunk a lot, and he didn't even finish filming it. You know, it was a whole... So I didn't even know anything about this Peckinpah character, but he's really... he's He's, he's a lot. So... Yeah, so it was, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was, I'm glad I watched it, is all. There's a lot of Chris Christopherson. He's got beautiful oh, eyes.
0: He does have beautiful eyes. Pretty, pretty man. Beautiful Chris, eyes.
2: Chris Kay is. And, um, Allie McGraw is in it. And she has, I don't, her hair is weird, but, you know, it was 1978. <laughs> so there's not much we can do about that at this point. Um, Ernest Borgnine is in it. He's the chief mean cop. Hmm. And he's great because, of course. Yeah. And then, um, Let's see. Okay, let me see. I made another note. Oh, twang-boing music score, like didgeridoo vibes. So there's a lot of that, where they're driving around, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> through the desert. <laughs> but then there'll be, like, an epic classical st- score, you know, when they're on this, like, really dusty road scene. So, you know, lots of good score action. Of hmm. course, the CB, the CB radio song played a lot, like, Breaker Breaker and, you know, a whole lot of that. And then – um you know, things like Nixon was mentioned, and oil was mentioned. sort of seventies topics, and um, then yeah, you know, it kind of, it sort of has. It reminded me a lot of the Chase
1: uh-huh. with Charlie
2: Sheen, yeah, yeah, um, yeah of, course, of course it did. Kind of Selma, of course it, and kind of Selma and Louise, and also even the Legend of Billy Jean, <gasps> where they're all these sort of like. Ooh. Outlaw movies, like, I got to run from the police, I got to run away, I got to get to Mexico, or, you know, I got to get out of here kind of thing, because eventually they do so many bad things that they got to get to Mexico, they got to get out of there, and the convoy has grown, and it's so long, but, like, okay, it's this long convoy of truckers, and they're all, like, after, you know, following the, the main guy, and they're all, like, you know, trying to band together against these unjust cops and everything, but, like, what do you do if you have to get gas, and you're in the middle of the convoy, or, like, you have to be so potty, <laughs> you just peel off, and, like, you lose... The convoy. I mean, I don't know how truckers pee. Maybe they have a whole system in their rig, and they don't even have to stop. I don't really know. But um, I feel like I could know, take some guesses. Truckers.
0: I feel like I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> and like, yeah. I mean, you know, it was it was fun, but it's definitely not a rewatch for me. It's like, mm. okay, I got it, I got it. You know, lots of trucks, and they were going so fast. I mean, really fast. Like very scary. stressful, you know, just to be thinking about. And then, so we. What's so weird is we just we watched this. I think um, maybe just the other day, and then we did a really quick little popover to St. Louis for a couple days, like a quick little little visit. And, um, of course, the whole time on the road, every time I'm looking, I'm looking at all these Mac trucks, I'm like, oh, that's a Peterbilt. Oh, I'm like, lo- <laughs> oh, that one. Like, now I'm, like, obsessed with, like, the trucks and the look and the style and the colors and stuff. And, um, but then I was – when I was just kind of reading about it just now and, and the director and everything, apparently the original truck um, and, like, it's double – are at the Museum of Transportation right outside of St. Louis. Hmm. So I just told Tony that we literally could have gone to see Chris Christopher's truck, but we didn't. We didn't know. So we got to go back to St. Louis to see the truck now.
0: Oh, man, that was a, that's a true missed opportunity. This is like when I was headed down to South Florida earlier this year, and I missed my chance to go to Bennigan's. Oh.
1: One oh of the God, last what? remaining there
0: Bennigan's. There? There's a Bennigan's in Orlando. Oh, wow. There's only like four left <laughs> in the country, and one of them's in Orlando, and I missed the damn chance. Okay, well,
2: maybe it'll still be there next time, but don't hold your breath.
0: I would not hold my breath. And as you know, Lisa, both <laughs> you and I are very into corporate restaurant interiors right now. It's the moment we're having. Um, similarly, I would love to see the inside of some of these trucks.
2: Oh, I know. And, you know, some of them, they're really, like spacious looking. Like, I didn't, I've never really seen one. And on this movie, I mean, there was this one scene where there was a lady and Chris Christopher's instructor truck,
0: and it's a full room back there. I mean, it's a lot of space. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine that Chris Christopherson's truck would definitely have a little bit of of, you know, backroom for ladies. Yeah. I just feel like that tracks with that gentleman. Um, right. You know, I have to ask you, well, listen, it, you know, when you start talking about things like The Legend of Billy Jean, well, The Legend of Billy Jean is like, to me, it's like it's similar to some folks when you talk about the Bible. Um, and so I'm, but I am curious. So I don't, I kind of want to leave that off if, if we can, but I would like to know how this stacks up with a similar film, in, in my opinion, um, in terms of where it ranks and in terms of, uh, you know, religious stature. And that is Smokey and the Bandit.
2: Oh, no, it's not nearly as good. Oh, my gosh, never. Not at all.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Chris Christopherson or Burt Reynolds, mm, mm. there's no... That's Burt not, all day. That's Burt all day. That's Burt all day. Burt all day. I mean... And
2: apparently, I was reading, apparently Burt was asked to do the film, yeah. and he did not. He made Smoking and the Bandit instead. So, wise move, Burt.
0: Wise move. As, as he... All, every move Burt makes is wise.
1: Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. Don't you dare,
0: Corey. Don't come at me, Corey. Do not do it.
1: I- I was gonna I was gonna ask about that. Like I knew this was around the same time as Smoky and the Bandit, but it seems like this was, you know, like immediately released in its aftermath to try to capitalize on the popularity of Smoky and the Bandit, but it sounds like they were making yeah. it at the same time.
2: I think, well, I think Smokey came out in 77 and yeah. came out in 78, but it was filmed in 77. So, yeah, I think it gotcha. was, like, very concurrent. And apparently, you know, it was trying to ride that whole CB radio wave, but right. they were kind of on the tail end of it. So, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. They, they were milking it, it seems. But, yeah, I think Burt Bert made the right choice.
1: Either way, if you're trying to make a lighthearted sort of comedy adventure movie about long-haul tr- truckers, how is it logical that you hire the director of The Wild Bunch and Straw Dogs?
0: Yeah, I can't
1: yeah. answer that. It's that's insane. Clearly, I mean-
0: they, yeah,
2: and the, and apparently the writer guy, um, they had he had had different things in the script, and it was kind of a little bit more lighthearted, and it was a different angle. And then Peck and pa took it, and he wanted to add some serious critiques to society and all this stuff. But then, yeah, he still had these like silly, silly things in it. So, yeah, I don't think he knew what he was, what he wanted it to be, or yeah, he was trying too hard.
1: At he was on the the downswing by that point in his career. And that's at least in part because of, yeah, because of the alcohol and drug abuse, um, Mm -hmm. which finally caught up to him after, you know, he successfully compartmentalized that to make all those other good movies he made in the late sixties and early seventies.
2: Well, and they said too, that the, um, because he was so reckless with this and the budget and the timing and the insurance stuff, he couldn't get, um, he didn't get insured and couldn't make another movie for another five
0: years. Damn, damn, damn. Well, I'll be thinking about this one every time I go to a truck stop, because I always, you know, (laughs) I always wonder, like, you know, these uh, the sort of the the trucker world is a mysterious to me. Very
2: mysterious. It is mysterious. I know this is, you know, the most I'd seen inside peek behind the curtain, if you will.
0: Yes, indeed. Well, thank you, Lisa. This is a good suggestion and one that Corey and I have not seen. Yeah. So uh, while it doesn't come with a very strong recommendation, I still feel like I'm, probab- yeah. I'm probably going to do it. I'm probably going to do it. I
2: mean, yeah. I just think I liked it. I mean, it was fun and there was a lot of silly fun things in it. So it was good to watch, but it's not a, I don't, you know, I feel like I get it now. You know what I mean? Like I would rewatch Maximum Overdrive because, of course, Yeah.
0: but I don't know that I have to rewatch this one. But I think a one watch was good. I would do that. Yeah, Convoy one and done.
1: But the song, Exactly. you'll want to listen to the song over and over again.
2: Yeah, the song's good. I like the song. The song's fun. It's like what they, you know, it's a typical you take a song and you make a movie out of it. It's just, you know, it's always a little thin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it can be. All right, well, we'll talk (laughs) to you later, Bross. Thanks for bringing that one to us. Okay, bye.
1: Bye. For over one million years, Rachel and Corey have talked. And now, they share with you one of the greatest accomplishments of all time. Their list of the top 200 films.
0: Well, here we are, and we are at number 152 on our list. On our little, what we're calling a sort of, I don't know, what? Uh, what do you think? A little special segment? A yeah. Mini series. Mini
1: series. And-
0: well, my my mine are going to get a little – they've been going a little off the rails. It's going to continue in that direction. Okay. Um, and this list I'm about to give you, at least on my end, is going to uh, probably get me canceled and also is not going to make anybody happy at all.
1: Well, I might be in that territory with you for at least one or two of these. Here we go. Yep.
0: My 152 is the killing of a sacred deer. What? <laughs>
1: Uh, you'll have no argument for me. I love that movie, but whoo, boy.
0: Yorgos Lanthimos.
1: Yorgos, uh, boy. Well, mine is, uh, mine 152 is rather different in tone. Um, it is the big budget or big screen adaptation of The Music Man.
0: Oh, just a, just a, just a step from The Killing of a Sacred yeah, Beer.
1: A wonderful Broadway adaptation from, I believe, 1962. Um, yeah. and It's just a great time
0: boy um, well my 151 is much kinder film even though sad film Uh, this is probably going to surprise you but it's a film called Other People
1: that does surprise me
0: yeah and that's from 2016 and uh, I think directed by Chris Kelly yeah you
1: got Jesse Plemons in there Molly Shannon Molly
0: Shannon's uh, with an incredible performance yeah
1: she's wonderful Uh, My 151 is Danny Boyle's science fiction uh, horror movie, Sunshine, where they send Cillian Murphy and Rose Byrne and Chris Evans to reignite the sun. This movie rules.
0: Nice. Nice. Uh, My 150 is Miranda July's Kajillionaire. And you know me. I'm not a huge Miranda July fan, but Kajillionaire won my heart.
1: It's a great movie. um, From last year. That yeah. more people yeah. should see. All right. Before we get into my choice for number 150, I need to preface. Uh, o- we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take a little sidebar here. Now, I've observed, and this might be a generalization, that we're approaching our lists differently. Okay. Um, your list is an ever-evolving document. Yes. In, in that you seem to add things and take things off with astounding regularity. Like, yeah. if you see movie, a movie that really strikes you, as Kajillionaire did, for instance, last year, you have no hesitation just throwing it on up there. That's
0: right. I just go and I go, you know what? This film, while I like it, it can go down to 210 or something Sure.
1: Else. So so I'm operating this list a little differently. Okay. This is kind of like if somebody had to etch and marble a list oh. of 200 movies that define me in one way or another or have defined me at a place, at another time in my life – it belongs on this list. Now, that's going to lead us into some sticky territory oh, with my choice for number 150. Because I am well aware that this person uh, who made this movie has uh, run into, let's say, some public relations issues of late.
0: Ooh, I hear excuses, excuses, um, excuses. That's
1: fair. That's what this is. Um, look. My number 150 is a film called Annie Hall, starring Diane Keaton, uh, Carol Kane, Christopher Walken, and maybe some other people who cares.
0: Can't do it, dude.
1: I, can't I hear you. But because the writer-director of this movie was at one point a massively important person in my life and a, massively, a massive influence on me. Massive I
0: influence on many small children, too. Sure. Go ahead.
1: I hear you. I can't pretend, though, that, like, I never loved these movies and that I never, you know, that these movies never meant something to me. I know. I know. Would would this be higher on my list were it not for the thing? Probably. But, you know, we live in a world where this person has been exposed to be a a predator.
0: Live in a world in which we allowed this man to marry his daughter. Um, anyway, continue.
1: So, anyway, 150, a, a wonderful movie called Annie Hall that I don't know that I'll ever watch again. <laughs> um, but uh, again, I'd be lying if I were to say this, this never had an influence on me. And for that reason, it has to be on my top 200 list. And we're going to hear more about that person who will not be named a little later.
0: Tough call very tough call um, okay well mm, yeah. I, i'm going to leave it <laughs> at that um, my 149 is coming in it is a inner uh, rachel Romance. Okay. Uh, Rachel McAdams. Rachel Weisz. Yeah. And a film called Disobedience.
1: A movie that I think is just fine.
0: Oh well, I'm happy to five minute fight that one for we, you. We I know how you to. feel about lesbians. Oh and you my don't God. Don't really like them unless N- they're in period Never mind. Goes.
1: Never mind. We're not going to fight about this movie because I don't want to hear that shit.
0: Corey hates Jewish lesbians. Oh Go my ahead. God. Go ahead.
1: And and I had a Woody Allen film on my list. <laughs> if if you've been He's canceled not a
0: lesbian last time I checked. Well,
1: okay, fair enough. But le- all of this is adding up to I'm canceled, and that's fine. All right, my number one hundred forty nine is Christopher Nolan's <laughs> Memento. Come at me.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't love Memento. God damn it! I know. I know every bra in the pla- on the planet loves Memento. I know. It's like oh, I'm and get- my next, got a tattoo. The whole-
1: my next four choices are also film bro choices, oh, so great. I'm ready for it. Let's just let's just keep it going.
0: Well, my next one forty eight is the opposite of a film bro film, uh-huh. and a film that has gotten me in much trouble. Um, as a matter of fact, got me broken up with. Uh-oh. Um, it, well, I was told, if you if you program this film, I'm going to break up with you, and uh, I felt very compelled to program this film, not because I wanted to get broken up with, but because I strongly believe in it, and that is a film from 2018 called Holiday. Oh, boy. Isabella Ekloff's film um, that is a... M- fucking masterwork
1: it's real good uh
0: real good i and never
1: want to see it again
0: so good that uh it has zero distribution i believe i think it's just still sitting out there in the world it is untouchable because it is a fucked up little movie
1: i think it got distribution it? but barely <laughs> um which Highly is
0: recommended.
1: not surprising uh once you see that movie um, um
0: it's as if your head is in a vice and then on the back side of it somebody's taking a cheese grater to it yeah whoo uh, but it does land at one number 148 on my list, a very uh, important feminist film.
1: <laughs> my number 148 uh, is not a very important feminist film. It's another film bro movie, but it's one I think you like. It's, it's called Dazed and Confused uh, great film. by Richard Linklater.
0: Definitely a bro film, but a great film. Uh, my 147 is coming in hot with, uh, with Nikki Kay in it um, and Thomas fucking Cruz, and that is Eyes Wide Shut.
1: Uh, that's on my list uh, a little higher. I figured. So I figured. we'll we'll hear about that later. Uh, what's next for old Corey? My number 147 is a film directed by David Cronenberg, but probably not any of the ones you're thinking. A History of Violence with Viggo Mortensen from 2005. Great movie.
0: Ah, interesting. Well, here comes my apology. Uh-oh. Uh, this film has landed on my list for reasons similar to what you've described, which is that this film was had such an impact on me When I was in film school, Uh felt like nothing I'd ever seen before. Um, Also had a real cultural impact and a problematic film, deeply, deeply problematic film, but an important one so much so that I have left it on my list. It is from 1995 in that, yes, you can date me now um, as being very old. Um, It is a film directed by Larry Clark, Kids.
1: Yeah. Um, I apologize. You don't have to apologize. You know. It's kids. It's kids. It's a it's a tough watch, Yeah. but like, you know, you just named fucking holiday on there, so. and I'm sure uh, the nightingale is to come. So like, uh, you're 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 throwing out fastballs, but after a while, you know, people should be used to it.
0: I really am a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> just want to let mean, everybody know that, but
1: nobody has said otherwise. <laughs> like I oh, certainly haven't. My even. Li- the-
0: my list reflects otherwise. But, well,
1: no. that's true. Uh those are some pretty tough movies. All right, we're we're at 146.
0: Yeah. 146
1: yeah. uh for me Alan J Pakula's All the President's Men. I talked about it cool. I think on a fairly recent episode, rewatching it um just uh, cemented its place on this list.
0: Cool. My 145, The Witch.
1: Hey. Great movie. Not on my list, wouldn't be out of place on my list though. My 145 uh <laughs> Is uh, Lily and Lana Wachowski's Speed Racer, which is a fantastic movie.
0: Well, I will tell you this. Uh, I remember seeing it and Sex and the City right when things switched to DCP away from film. Uh And those are two great films to see. And that very, very different resolution, right. that very different quality on the big screen. And it was absolutely breathtaking to see it um, as eyes. had, no- I, My eyes had never seen anything quite like it because of that, that move in, in a cinema, right? Because of that move. So. It
1: is a, it is a uniquely visually dazzling movie yeah. in a lot of ways, it, regardless of whether you feel strongly about what else it is. Sure. Um, it is, if nothing else, just one of the most spectacular, um, sort of special effects action movies ever made
0: well cool we got, we got more to do next time or close to next time
1: yeah so send us uh, your thoughts on this installment along with your favorite movies uh, to podcast at sidewalkfilm.com and tune in in a future episode for the next uh, eight programming regrets Coming this fall.
0: Hey, uh, you know what, Corey?
1: What's that, Rachel?
0: You know how we like to switch things up, do new stuff all the time. Yep. Or at least, you know, some of the time.
1: We got to keep um, things chaotic.
0: Trying to. So I, I've I'm throwing a new segment at you. All right. Uh, this new segment is going to be called programming regrets <coughs> wah, wah. Um, and it is a it is a segment that focuses on where we messed up just professionally in general uh, our feel that we did and and misses in the programming world uh, maybe those misses are stuff we did program maybe they're stuff we didn't maybe they're the placement of programming uh, could be anything a short a feature special events around a film and um, I'm talk about it a little bit
1: Well, I wanted to start this by addressing sort of a a misapprehension that people might have about the job of a programmer, which is sometimes the sidewalk schedule is announced and people say things like, oh, why didn't you just get insert name of movie here? Yeah. Why didn't you get this extraordinarily um, big budget and famous thing? And you know programming there there is uh, of course an art and a science to it um it's not just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks at any given um time of day um oftentimes we are we are limited by what um a studio will let us play yeah we are limited by um the number of submissions that come to us naturally, we're limited by the fact that, you know, we're just human and we don't get a chance to necessarily see everything in the world that's out there on the uh, the festival circuit, though, of course, we, we try our best. Um, so there are any number of reasons why years later we might look back on a year and think to ourselves – well, we missed the boat on that for whatever reason uh there might be. Maybe we you know did select a movie but put it on like a in, in a time slot that didn't draw much of an audience or, had or a it,
0: venue that was too small or too big. Or
1: had it up against another film that everybody yeah. wanted to see at that moment. And these little gems sort of snuck by. Sometimes, you know, there were just things that for whatever reason or another we couldn't get because somebody told us no or we had to make a uh, budgetary concession somewhere and you know these things happen. Um So I know that you had one in mind that you were bringing to the table today, and I'm I'm curious to hear this story because you've mentioned it a couple times, but I don't think you've ever told me the story of why this happened.
0: Yeah, well, I'm about to. Um, I'd add really quickly, too, that just in general, people think we can get whatever film we want, and as you kind of described – uh, it is more often the case that we don't get what we want. Yeah, this is not a case of that though. Uh uh-huh. This is a case of a film that was submitted to us organically, that came through our, our submissions. Uh, the year was twenty. well, Excuse me. The year was two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to remind you really quickly that in two thousand and nine, uh, tiny furniture did not exist. Sure. Uh, girls did not exist. Right. And a film called Creative Nonfiction came to us out of doing fairly well at South by Southwest. This film was directed by Lena Dunham. Um, we rejected this film. I,
1: I wonder.
0: Whoops. Uh, I will tell you though, and Kyle remembers this both of us loved this film very, very much and just couldn't seem to place it in that particular year, in that particular lineup. At that particular time, we had a lot less venues.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We had a lot more pressure to program things that were going to sell a lot of tickets. It was a a moment in Sidewalk's history of transition. I started programming for Sidewalk in what I'd call 2006, 2007. Mm -hmm. And so this was my, I believe then that would be sort of second or third year of programming. And it was just a very, we didn't, we were not taking as many risks. It took us a while to ramp up to uh, taking a lot of risk. And this was, this would have been at the time a fairly risky film. Sure. In terms of it being uh, what it was, which is a... Very lo-fi, indie, uh, all kinds of stuff, and it. I could stand by the fact that it would not have sold a lot of tickets. It would not have been a film that Birmingham would have embraced in in 2009. And so, on the rejection letter that we wrote to Lena Dunham, I one of the one of the notes that I put on the because we write we hand sign letters and we write little notes, and I wrote a fairly long one on this letter because I did like the film so darn much, and. Kyle remembers clearly me saying I can't wait to see what you do next <laughs> <laughs> and so I am proud of that note that only Lena Dunham saw uh and Kyle uh, McKinnon um but yeah and of course what she did next was tiny furniture
1: and and then you know kind of took over HBO there for a little <laughs> while um are you are you a fan of hers in general like what she's done since
0: uh I'm not a fan of her personally. I am a fan of Tiny Furniture. I'm a fan of Girls. It's not exactly my kind of thing. Yeah, and, and that little bit creative nonfiction was that too. I'm like, oh, I this is a really great film. I see what you're doing. It's It, it had a very... In a lot of ways, a lot of things about it was really, for lack of a better word, gross. Mm. Uh, which is kind of where she plays a yeah, little bit. Yeah, it's her bit. vibe. Yeah, and so... You know, there were things about it I didn't like. Uh, There were things about it I really loved. I ultimately it should have been programmed. Ultimately, we should have we should have done that and sold the 10 tickets we were going to sell and just stood by it. Mm. And one thing I will say is it was one of those moments where it really led me to begin to trust my instincts more. Yeah. By rejecting that film and seeing what happened with that filmmaker in the coming years, I really sort of. It, I think it changed the way that I programmed. I think it made me trust myself more. So there are positive things that came out of it. yeah, but it just really I mean, it makes me nauseous to think about the fact that I signed a rejection letter to Lena Dunham.
1: Well, I mean, you know, you never can tell you know where somebody's <laughs> gonna go. um i I have never seen. This film, I've never seen Tiny Furniture. I've seen some of Girls, which I thought had its ups and downs. And, you know, some of it I really responded to, a lot of it I didn't. So I'm kind of Lena Dunham agnostic, which at a time where everybody has very strong opinions on Lena Dunham is a pretty strange thing to be. Right. Um, but. Uh yeah, you know, we we will see that from time to time. Some some promising young filmmakers will come around with uh you know, a debut that we we know has promise, that we like. But like there's no name recogni- recognition there and it's it's hard to build up um an audience, I guess, for that sort of thing. I we've seen that happen time and time again where there've just been movies we're really passionate about um, that just for one reason or another didn't click or didn't connect with people. Um, the one that jumps to mind for me is, and this isn't a regret, I'm, I'm happy that that Sidewalk programmed this film, but I wish that it had been able to draw a bigger audience. It's a movie that you put on your top 200 list a week or two ago, yeah. uh, Neighborhood Food Drive. Great film. Now, that movie is only going to appeal to a very select audience as it is. Uh, but one of my programming regrets, I think, is that that you know I, I feel like that movie which is particularly good and and cutting and nasty kind of got lost in the larger lineup as movies sometimes do yeah, yeah, yeah. and it didn't it didn't find that crowd and I don't remember what it was programmed up against that could play into it I know that the venue you know was a smaller venue which is probably what that movie deserves but on the other hand, you know, if you put that in a bigger venue, does it automatically draw a larger eh. audience? I like, mean,
0: I put Beach Rats at the Alabama Theater and I think 100 people showed up. Yeah. So, no. So <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it just goes to show you never can tell. But as far as I know, that movie didn't really go on to have much of a life post-festival.
0: And it should have. And
1: it should have. And and I, I regret, you know, in as much as this would have been at all within our control, that – we weren't able to help it find its audience. And I don't know if that would have been within our control at all. But, you know, looking back on it, I I particularly liked that movie and particularly wished that it had found its people because I know they're out there.
0: Uh, So go watch it. This yeah. is a film called again Neighborhood Food Drive, directed by Jersey Rose, I believe. Yeah,
1: and I guess it's available to rent on demand now. If you hunt for it, maybe you can find it on like iTunes or something.
0: I'm sure it's out there, but um, maybe we'll come back with retractions on that. So, um, anyway, that's uh, that's one of uh, a programming regret that I had, and 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 one from you as well. So yeah. Bah, bah, bah.
1: Well, thank you so much for listening to Side Talks.
0: We're your own personal cinematic Wendy's and Arby's. Mm. <laughs> I wanted to go a different direction.
1: Boy, which one would you take?
0: Uh, well, I mean, Arby's is We Got the Meats. I just don't feel good about that.
1: Yeah, okay, fair enough.
0: Uh, Wendy's sounds good to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could get um, It's not called a Frosty, is it? Is it called a it's Frosty? It's called
0: a Frosty, and they're delicious. I also have a tip that somebody who doesn't eat meat. Uh-huh. They're French fries, but you get the chili sauce. And you dip the fries in the chili sauce.
1: The chili sauce doesn't have meat? No. Wow.
0: It's just a little packet. It's a little packet. Not the chili, but the chili sauce. Oh, not the chili. That's right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Huh. Uh, coming to you soon with a new podcast about fast food tips and tricks.
1: You know, I would listen to that podcast, though. Like, you, you may be joking, but I would listen to that. I'm mm-hmm. sure there is something like that out there. All
0: right. Well, let's 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 get to the drawing board on that one. Anyway, thanks to Beltwell Studios. Uh, they will soon be hosting our tips and tricks for fast food enjoyment. Um, and uh, SidewalkFest.com.
1: And at Sidewalk Film on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where you can find news About all the, uh, I don't know, the hot tips for Sidewalk and the Sidewalk Cinema and, and the upcoming Sidewalk Film Festival.
0: Side talks. We got the meats. Batwell
2: Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.